Don't start down that path. Look at all the red hell. All we have to do is be really careful not to hurt ourselves in between our dreams. And that's how you know you're doing it, right? Poetry Night rings through. Most of you have been waiting for and some of you have been dreading. It's time for our feature. Whose hand, Bellingham? Whose mouth? Your hand. Your mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome your hand, your mouth to our stage. Hey, so uh, we just, uh, this past week actually, put out the new issue, which is number 14. Um, but I, I, I didn't realize until tonight that it, we've been putting this out since 2009, which um, yeah. seems... I have well, I have I have multiple issues, <laughs> but. <laughs> All right, but so um, we have a bunch of people who've written for the zine in the past are here today, and all of them are going to come up and read a little bit, and I'm going to read uh, my favorite poem from each issue. Um, this first one from issue number one from 2009 is Ryan Johnson's Easy Drinking Poems. One, a jug of orange juice sat on that bookshelf near the window above the cars for over a week, but you know, the vodka was gone, so whatever. About wasting, I mean. Oh, imagine that as a black and white photograph. Two, the ferns and rhododendrons were beautiful. Cops found wine in plastic cups, and I lost one friend to the darkness of manicured gardens. One friend stuttered, and one friend was irresponsible with his underage girlfriend. The night was warm. Three. Propped against fences, knives on the deck, cigarettes under the sofa, pissing in the driveway, snakes in the shoes, groping neighbors of the one you love. Four. I found lawn chair while I was moving out two years ago. There was old dust, but this whole time I had been assuming theft. Sons of bitches, did they not know of the times we had sitting in each other, drinking Raleigh under the fireworks and quieter things? Five, thought I saw you walking past bank last call. Those shoulders glowing like a new fish translucerating. The path rolled witch about with your footsteps in booklight perfume while that one happening grew tendril all fog and husk gathering cognatory. I read in neon quiet 27 degrees and time glowing over your head a thing that which I, yes, I vomited on the sidewalk and you are the shadow of the tree and car. Six. The way they search for you is a wandering claw. Seven. The nightstand pushed airless against boards that hold bed together with the drawer. I don't know what's inside. That red wine is there. Someone used green paint once on pieces of lumber. The ends of slumber only. 
lumber later turned to boards with sheets draped over, red wine in the glass discovered during a weekend afternoon, sheets folded over loose and warm, well, I, I think warm, over hardwood floors with books and clothes and nightstands, nightstands holding up old wine, three days old in glass and wood everywhere else with table legs and sheets. Communion is a pale and withered lung. So Ryan, who is a, a dear friend, uh, is one of only two people who appears in every issue of Your Hands, Your Mouth. And apparently he never writes anything except for the zine, which I guess is one way to live. Um, this from the Dreams issue, I'm going to read uh, Bat Love by Karen Kunkel. Like blind bats dancing in the night... Your song bounces along my body, against my being, giddy, flitting, diving, aimless, blind, gorging on any gnats I find. We may dance and fly to songs only we two hear, and that die at dawn, wrapped up in our own wings, will snore at the sun, showing us all glittery things, and our separate perches mayn't even be in the same cave, but our daydreams will keep our humming memories safe. And this one from the childhood issue is The Grand Opening by Nastasia Goodwin, who is someone I've never met, but um, I love this poem. The playground equipment is new. Our eyes are bright with excitement. We scurry out at the bell towards the new slide and monkey bars. It's butchering time at the farm next door. We run to and fro, the recess aides cheering us on, naive enough to think that they can expend our limitless energy. They begin to slaughter the cattle, a few at a time. It is a beautiful day, and the gasping, full-bodied laughter that only children are capable of fills the air. They impale and lift them on meat hooks and begin to cut off their limbs with the bone saw, taking their heads and necks as well. We play harder, our internal clocks telling us the break is about to end. One of the kids gets in trouble and has to sit on the curb. Once the limbs are gone, they remove the hide so that it can be sold as dog chews. The whistle blows and we walk back to class, our teachers shooting horrified glances at the steam rising from the hanging carcasses behind us. Thanks. So I would like to call up Rob Stopper. Rob Stoffer. Um, thank you, Chris. Uh, Chris is actually the reason why this is my very first published piece was in your hands, your mouth. And then when, when it was printed, I looked at it and there was like literally 12 errors. Like misspellings. I was like, his editing skills suck because he's the editor. Um, uh, no, I don't know what that means. All right. This is the language edition. Uh, whenever Mary heard her mother call her name, she wanted her mom to call her Maria. 
In this whitewashed band-aid of a town where strip malls replaced family fine dining years ago, her brother watched endless reruns of Blue Steel while Mary read books about faraway places. She dreamed of Central America. She dreamed of forever coastlines and food her family only ordered from Taco Bell. Culture came in value meals. When Mary was 12, she had read every book from her library that mattered to her. She spoke Spanish as well as any high school junior, and her ambitions were bigger than her classroom globe, ambitions she could hang a large hat on, ambitions to drive a cattle line on the Oregon Trail. The only two people Mary knew that spoke Spanish were the young married couple that worked at the Mexican mercantile in town. Some came for the beer, some for tamales, but Mary came for the conversation. Mary came to hear Julian roll his R's and Asinta speak baby rattles to her husband. The only thing Mary could afford to buy from the store to keep the conversation coming was the penny Mexican candy. She collected it by the drawer full. Hot, bitter jalapeno blueberry was not a flavor, it was her salvation. When Mary left the store every Tuesday and Thursday, she practiced firecracker mouth and pictured her last name was a forever stretching arm of coastal mountains. When she would arrive home, her brother would not eat any of her Mexican candy. He would never understand the taste one could leave in your mouth. Thank you. So, um, some of these I realized I had not looked at in a long time, but uh, this uh, this poem is called "The Newfoundland" by Emily Wittenhagen from Seattle. They sue. They say a Newfoundland came to the Luau. He was an old dog and large, but still able to make it across the road and up the drive, which is so long they talk about installing a gondola for the winter. At the luau, they'd already run out of the beer and made a run for more. The light of the deck had taken on a corncob yellow and the swimming pool an Italian blue. Edges of the yard burned with wicker torches, the landscape on a certain kind of vacation. Guests talked into each other's eyes and rocked on their heels, getting on with the second batch of beer, breathing from the cold months clean as thick glass dropped from a height. The Newfoundland moved slowly like a possessed blanket up the porch stairs. No one took notice as the gentle beast lay down beneath the beer pong table and fell into a deep, comfortable sleep. In his sleep, he dreamed of a time when dragons did not have to hide, when they could congregate in the sky as sometimes they desired. He wrote a letter to an old friend and wrapped it in a soft piece of buckskin, setting out in search of a cave, laughter roaring at his wings, and a strange rain falling above the clouds. This poem is called College Park, Maryland by Alexis Davis. Maryland, I will give you my front door. It is cracked. The paint is faded. The weather has taken its toll, but you can have it, brass handle and all. In the heat, 
the dock stretches out like yard lines in a football field, and this morning we were born American. National monuments rising up out of our sunburned shoulder blades. You have teeth like clean closets or popsicles, perfect rows. The salt from the estuary draws topographical maps on our skin while the three hawks fly overhead, so close I can hear the space between their wingtips. They run lazy circles looking for victims or a branch, just something to hold. These shadows of ours grow halos till we are all made of oil. We are an ancient painting. We are holy. I caught a fish in one swallow, ate it whole, and watched it swim straight through me. We are thick and textured with this salt and this sun. On the horizon, the storm clouds hang themselves heavy on invisible stars. And this one is Oyster Shells by Omar Tanamli, um, who is late of Bellingham himself. Thanks for the oyster shells and the black and white photograph of blueberries on your front steps, which was a crappy photo anyway. And please don't forget that we bought the special matches, the ones that will light underwater. Your window is leaking light again, and there are holes in all our favorite kites, especially the big colorful one, the dragonfly-shaped one that your stepdad got you in Indonesia when you were nine. I remember sitting on your back porch while your mother's boyfriend roasted a pig for the whole neighborhood. That was before he taught us all how they used to dance in the D.C. hardcore scene back in 1983. You lived in different houses then, on different blocks. Recently, while back home, I started searching for something like a memory, but all I could find was this stuffed walrus you got me years ago with a bandage on its back flipper doused in red paint, which you used to simulate blood. Thanks. Um, I'd like to call up Christy. Hello. Okay. So I have two poems. Um, the, this one is from the rebirth issue. And I was like, rebirth, I don't know if I have any poems about that. Maybe I'll write a new one. And I was like, oh, yeah, that poem about almost drowning in quicksand when I was five. You know, like if there's, you know, near-death experience, I don't know, it's closer to rebirth than that, so... And it's true, if you didn't think there was quicksand in Washington, well, I didn't either. <laughs> so this is from Moses Lake, uh, 1990. An unfamiliar mud blob sits solid in the middle of the swamp stream. Squatting on the bank, I poke it with sticks. It holds them. It's flat like a giant stepping stone. I wonder, could it hold my weight just for a second, one step to the other side? I test it with one foot. I was waist deep before I could step back. Old cowboy westerns played in my head. Don't struggle, you'll only sink faster. I held tight and screamed. My aunt pulled me out arm in arm. I almost pulled her in. She saved my life but doesn't remember the trauma erased. 
I remember clearly the first time almost dying. The reason, the kid logic, the setting scenario. My mom coming to pick me up as my aunt hosed me down, the weird mud streaming down my body, cold and alive. So, and then this one is from the very first edition. And I got, when I got my copy, I got this cute little drawing here. It's of stick people, and it's somebody falling down the stairs. And it says, I told you about stairs. I told you, bro. And I was like, and I didn't, I didn't get it. I was like, what? Oh, that's me falling down the stairs at that Halloween party. It's like, somebody that has something to do with this zine must have been there. Damn. So, I know, I tend, like, you know, you do embarrassing things and then tell everybody about it, right? Like, so, um, yeah, so this is uh, a love poem. It's called Backburner. This could be a beautiful conquest, but we're so compulsive. We've already traded queens. This war is ridiculous. We need something else, like flowering tea and waiting for it to steep, something to slow us down. We won't have to remind ourselves not to make wrong moves. We're watering flowers with boiling water and watching them bloom. Tea blossoms expand gradually until fully open, and we have tea. But I poured the water too hot, too fast, compulsive. The flowers broke into tarantula legs, bouncing off the sides of the clear glass held between my shaky hands. I poured the water too soon in the kitchen. I forgot even to wait for you, left you stranded on the couch. Then I come to you with tarantula legs floating to the surface as if dead. We're disappointed. But we know it will still taste the same. We sip this golden jasmine with hints of chocolate and floral nectar. He says he's feeling more zen by the second. I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or literally zen like an emotional equilibrium, being at peace, lying in bed alone, or zen is in the present moment. Don't hold on to it if it's everything or nothing. Is this the beginning or the ending? Relationships are so confusing. I think this one's on hold maybe forever. We'll leave off where we left the tea kettle, on the back burner, holding whatever leftover stale water until we can pour everything out and start over. Thanks. So this poem is uh, Front Yard, Backyard by Daniel Clawwitter. In the front yard, the Russian sage is humming with a bounty of bees. In the yard in the back, a yellow jacket trap like a death lantern hangs near the tree. The bees are cause for rejoicing, the yellow jackets not so much. One is made welcome and the other feared. Bees only sting once. And I would like to ask Robert Lashley to come up here. I'm going to read two poems. This poem is by a fat boy who likes weed and to make heckle, likes to heckle. 
It's it's called Landscape with Fly Mama. How the moon sketches you lightly in watercolor pencil. How it strokes you in the shadow of a late twilight canvas. How it shifts and strains to clarify, to perfect, to define you in the scenery in contrast of angles. It moves my love because it cannot rewrite you. Cannot capture you in scenes, in moments or landscapes. Cannot do anything but seek you in the morning nocturne hour. Still, unfiltered, beautiful yet transitory. A standard yet elusive in the flickers of light. Thank you. This poem is by Jake Tucker. It's called The Shitty Thing About Good Stories. We got lost because we were 17 and made poor decisions. We shivered for one night in a damp meadow with scrapes and cuts that smarted with oil from unfriendly plants. There was no sleep that night. We huddled together under a cold sky on a fallen piece of cedar, wondered what would happen when morning came. When we got back, we had cinnamon rolls and hot chocolate in a warm fire station with all our family and friends. Later that day, Red Robin gave us free Sundays because they recognized us from the news. We all like telling the story now. It's probably my best, but in that meadow, you were hours from hypothermic, miserable and waiting. We didn't know a helicopter would come at dawn. I suppose if we had, it wouldn't be a good story. Thank you. So, um, this next one is called Sunbathing by Larry Crist. They were sitting there talking, or rather, she was talking. He was trying to read. She said, I hate the sun. I wish it were hot without the sun. (laughs) Go to Houston, he said. Worst place I ever lived. The shade was moving in. He slid over to stay in the sun. She stayed where she was, letting the shadow overtake her as the gulf between them grew. And I would like to have Dee Dee come up. I'm not going to read my poem uh, because everything I've had published in the scene I've read here like a thousand times and it's not as good as the ones I'm going to read anyway. This one's kind of naughty, beware. It's called, When I Say I'm Sorry, I Mean Not Because I Know You Like Me Anyway. One, I might have taken you more seriously when you asked for that blowjob if you weren't brandishing a a fried chicken leg in your hand. I might have taken you more seriously when you asked for that blowjob if you didn't have RoboCop already queued up on the internets. (laughs) I am not ashamed of eating Popeyes without my clothes on in bed, but we've got a misunderstanding if you think I was trying to be sexy. (laughs) When you say Blobocop or Nobocop, you should know (laughs) that I fucking hate that movie. (laughs) So the idea of putting my greasy-ass Cajun fried chicken lips around your cock while you watch Peter Weller blow shit up doesn't thrill me. Do you remember when we went on dates? There are buttered biscuit crumbs in my pubic hair, and I'm okay with that. 
Thank you for not finding me disgusting. Two, you might have taken me more seriously when I asked to sit on your face if I hadn't moved the cat's litter box into my bedroom that night. <laughs> True story. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you might have taken... <laughs> You might have taken me more seriously when I asked to sit on your face if my cat wasn't taking a shit while I slipped bra off, pants off, underwear off. We've got a misunderstanding if you think I was trying to repulse you. I swear to God this is my sexy face. I know it looks crooked and in a lot of pain, but it means I've got a total boner for you. <laughs> and fuck that cuddly, adorable face of my cat for taking shits at the most inappropriate times. I know my room smells like acid and chemical dust from litter and pee, but maybe you can hold your breath while we fuck. I will hold my hands to your ears because she grunts sometimes. The cat. I am sorry I cannot be more romantic for you. Three, you read me a poem in the dark hole of your bedroom. You told me love terrifies you, but that you'd let me lay my ear to your heart anyway, asked me to pick up any rhythms I'd never heard before with my palms. You can just keep those hidden heartbeats at the back of your teeth, you said. Just don't accidentally swallow. Nickel for every time I've heard that one. <laughs> I am sorry my sense of humor is always misplaced and ill-timed. I am sorry that I'm a sucker for that's what she said. I am sorry for that night you were very seriously asking what do you want from me and I couldn't stop thinking of that Adam Lambert song of the same name so I burst out laughing and might have spit on you. <laughs> Thank you for being patient with me. Number four. <laughs> if my options are Blobo Cop or Nobo Cop, I still choose Nobo. But one times out of two, I will choose Blowjobs. We're doing pretty well, you and I. I like you a lot. Your heartbeats are safe with me. Thank you. Uh, and that's by Rob Robin Bateman. I've never met the person, but um, good job. Uh, this is by Caitlin McGeehy. Yeah, I've never met either of these people, but I wish I had written these poems instead of the ones I wrote. Um, uh, it's called Missing, this one's called Missing the Point. Uh, the kids are like, surprise me. Tell me about something I know about. Tell me something I know about. It's too easy to say titty mag, radio flyer as though they could imagine it in color. It's hard to imagine the rest is colorless, like the inside of an eyelid, pink, but black, but really pink. Was I shown or did I look behind my own eyelid first? It doesn't seem important to remember. I once saw a med student hold a bloody heart in her hand and I remember thinking, why is the brain gray? I couldn't get enough of it. It seemed inapt like everything else, like looking my parents in the face through a shower curtain. If I see anything, it's because I don't see what's behind it. Experience means missing more and more. And it's hard, hoping you catch the right side of any lit thing. If asking about hope is just another way of asking about anxiety, I'll go first. I have so many hopes, I can barely get out of bed in the afternoon. It's like watching birds disappear into a bush where they gather and shake until I've left. Tell me your secrets. I mean your swear words. I'm not asking about the past or present but the pending the parts that could be bleeding or hidden like the steps that make it feel absurd to imagine that all kinds of people are in live and in love with each other it reminds me of the birds again shaking that I can only catch if I kill one and then what's the point thank you
So um, we're almost we're almost at the end here. I'm going to read here um, a poem called. Hey, I'm just saying. This person, uh, this poem I'm going to read is "The Mundanity of New Beginnings" by Graham Isaac, who is um, probably the most important person uh, as far as keeping this zine going. Because every time I'm like, I'm so mad people aren't submitting to the zine, and he'll like talk to eight million people in Seattle, and then we meet really awesome people, and he's great. But, uh, next year, I suppose there will be snowstorms and robots and a thorough analysis of defensive line, why we won, why we lost, brilliant new trending. Today, though, the concrete hums, low, last day of a slow quarter, final students printing papers as the old year wishes death upon itself at last. Um, Ryler Dustin. I just have a, a couple poems by me and a couple poems by some other people. This is a short one called Graves, and it's dedicated to the scientists of the Genographic Project. And if you don't know what that is, uh, check it out. It's, it's really interesting. <clears throat> 60,000 years ago, there were only a few of us left. We don't know what was killing us, but as we were dying, our graves began to change, to grow full with flowers and tools as if for a long journey. We 2,000, just 2,000 left, began to paint herds and arrows, ash cascading over stones as these graves swelled with a future or ghosts or sorrow so heavy we bore it up like a lamp to lead our children into the dark we would never forgive. We had already began to shape into this earth. And this, um, this is called Mr. Mr. Coker's Mustache, and uh, it's for a friend of mine from Houston I haven't seen in a long time. <clears throat> I have a love so powerful it yawns and smiles and scratches its arms. Nobody can take it. I like to go boating, like when Brian took me out on Mr. Coker's Mustache, the wind a long syllable of unnervous conversation, I like to go walking at night since I moved from where I was hit on the head and my backpack stolen. Sorry you're still there, Sean. I hope you don't get attacked. <laughs> I like to go running and to sit around, but these days I have obligations. I have forms to fill. I have eight emails per day. I have horrible generic emails about attacks at the university. I have safety training protocol emails with red flashing diodes. I have officially sealed emails with vague subject lines. I have a dozen Facebook friends of friends who send me home-baked e-pies for me to download a special application to taste. And there's no button for I love you but stop sending me fake pies. <laughs> Send me a message or a boat named after someone's favorite facial feature. My love is quiet, but it still sprawls and yawns. It still scratches its arms, and one day it will return to live in full laziness. It is as patient as we pretend children are not. <clears throat> All right, 
right. So um, actually, I, I just have one more poem, and um, it is, it's a short piece by the mysterious gentleman known as Ryan Johnson, who has a book release. Um, when is it, Chris? Okay, okay, well, there will be updates. It's in a, what's that place called? Like, <laughs> it's in a casino called Club Hollywood. Um, and if you've ever seen Ryan Reed, it makes perfect sense that it's there. I, it's going to be a sad, beautiful occasion, and I <laughs> hope you can make it, and you can probably smoke indoors. <laughs> um, so this is by Ryan, and it's called Walking. There is something I want to tell you. When I was six years old, I watched through the living room window as a tan old lady walked through the neighborhood. She has short hair, and still, 20 years later, I see her walking. You are a good friend. I told you all about the cigarette holes in the back of my shirt. The day they happened, you are a new friend. I feel bad sometimes that I could drop you without much thinking. So thanks, everyone, again, for coming. I'm so pleased there were so many people here. Um, uh, thanks. Your hands, your mouth, ladies and gentlemen. Give them a hand. And maybe your mouth. I don't know. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe it's your thing. Thank you so much, your hands, your mouth. It's lovely having big ass features like that. Serious? Everyone got that I was totally joking there, right? Da, 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 da. Drop a, uh, we're gonna go, it goes, okay, it goes, so it goes F. D. C, D, A, C, D, C, D, A, C, D, A. And the double plus gamma. So that's a beer right here. That's our show! That was the show. That was a show.